Trans Story is an episodic podcast where each episode features an individual story from the transgender community. Season one, I sit down with my friends, friends of friends, and people in my social circles that I've gotten to know over the years to really sit down, have a heart-to-heart one-on-one, and discuss what it means to be transgender, what that experience is like, with the intent to hopefully inspire and educate others so that we can all be better humans. Trans Story, Episode 2, and my guest today is the formidable Love Bailey. Yoo-hoo, it's <laughs> showtime. So we've known each other a good 10 plus years. As I said with Jamie, we just stopped counting at some point. But uh, we met in New York. Yeah. Yeah, and it was at a dinner party, and it was with a group of friends, and we had mutual friends, and those friends were kind of like, you you should know each other, I think, for some time, maybe even like a whole year. Yeah. And I finally made it to New York, and we invited to this dinner party, and that's where we met. But at that time... Wasn't that at Scott's house? It was, yeah. You came to Scott's house? I did. Oh, yeah, and God. at that time, you identified as a gay male. I also burned Brett. down a candle. There was a, a <laughs> candle made of a pig's ear, or pig's colon. Something. That was like burning, and we couldn't figure, figure out what, what that was. smell was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always burning things down. Yeah, well, you know. But, Some things uh, never change. Yeah. <laughs> but from there, um, you know, there was a lot of opportunity for creative collaboration yeah. and, and whatnot, and that's where we became friends. At that point, you know, I didn't know you that well, so I, I you know, had no idea. But what was the catalyst of, you know, when I first met you as Brett to then... You know, becoming trans. Yeah. So my friend Scott, who took me under his wing, and he was like my mentor in New York City. And at the time, I didn't have a lot of money. So it was, you know, too expensive to live in New York. And he took me under his wing, let me live with him, and sort of mentored me. And Scott was this budding makeup artist, and he assisted Kevin O'Quan. And for those of you that don't know, Kevin O'Quan did the book Making Faces and was uh-huh. super big in the 90s. Um, and Jed Root sort of was the agency that birthed Kevin O'Quan. And when Kevin died, um, Scott was the next person that, you know, they got together and they, they had this this beautiful moment. Oh, my, my tits are out. I'm back in. Yeah, as per usual. And so Scott took me under his wing and fostered this sort of creativity in New York City for me. And he really made me make this decision, this call to action. And he said, you know, I know you love dressing up and I know you love playing with gender, um, but when you're 40 years old and testosterone takes a toll on your body, are you going to be happy with the person you're becoming at 40 years old? And it was a really great question for me um, growing up and maturing. And unfortunately, Scott passed away of cancer shortly after and it was this call to action it was like it was now or never Mm -hmm. and he really sort of bestowed that upon me and i'm grateful right was that over courses of several conversations in time no that was literally one one conversation conversation. yeah we never talked about gender we just did it you know it was never i think that's the thing with gender people want to talk about it so much but it's really just an action it's it's not something to be talked about or it's that, nice that we're talking about it yeah because people that don't know need to understand but for us it's just we're being we're existing right right and it's how you feel most comfortable yeah right so and you, we don't want it to be a conversation we right actually, no it and that's what we talked about earlier too it's just yeah. like blonde hair it's like yeah. that's what i got cool yeah. you got blonde hair next like, 
next. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, and that's sort of the purpose of this podcast is to hopefully achieve that. Right. You know, to get to that point where... Where skin color isn't an issue. Right. Where your sexuality isn't an issue. Where yeah. it's not really a part of the discussion anymore. It's just we've about moved the, beyond. It's about the content of your character. Right. And we've been able to move past those things that, you know, and, and for me, I think a lot of people, you're, you're one of them, are, are sort of like ahead of the curve. I'm and, out of Chardonnay. What, <laughs> we'll, what we'll, kind we'll of podcast that. is this? We'll fi- we're not out. And you're just, uh, your glass is I know. Is my on. glass is empty. <laughs> this is not different from the dinner times, that we had. Kyle. <laughs> we'll get someone on that right away. Right away. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, your your as I was thinking about this, it's such a contrast to the last coming out story that we had because you basically, if if there were a closet, you just like put dynamite on it and blew the door yeah, off. There yeah. was just no question. Yeah, I set things on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's exactly you just burned the closet to the ground. <laughs> I literally did with a pig's colon at the dinner at the dinner table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a candelabra made of a pig's colon. <laughs> What I don't fire. even remember that part of it. <laughs> oh, I miss you, Scott. Yeah, he was, he was, I did not know him long, but I knew that so many people respected, just person. had such a high respect, and we definitely were kindred spirits. You he know, was it, one of those people in the room that was a grounding rod. He wasn't there for the attention, he wasn't there for the fame or the glory. He was there to just be like the grounding rod with a big stick. Yeah. But he was a leader, yeah. but could be quiet. And reserved, and you knew his presence was there because he was such a calming force. Right. Well, and then from that moment, what were the next steps that that you took? So then my mother gave me this phone call, and she was like, you know, I bought this property next door. I'm in Temecula. She was in wine country, and she already had a ranch um, in Temecula, California. And she called me, and she's like, you know, I have this land, and I bought it for you, and I didn't want you to be homeless, and I want you to, like, thrive as an artist, and... I bought you this property. So she sort of called me and was like, you know, come home. I'll take care of you. So I came home. And unfortunately, during that time, little did I know that she um, brought her ex-lover, Heidi Fleiss, from prison. Really? Who she had like, you know, had a little fling with back in prison. And my mother is now like reformed from prison. That's a whole other story. And different she, podcast. Different podcast. <laughs> and she has an animal rescue and she has an HVAC business and she adopted three lovely children. She really turned her life around. Um, but this was sort of a fatal attraction mishap along the road. And when I got home, Heidi Fleiss was there, the Hollywood madam, with her 16 macaws. And apparently, Heidi had told my mother that the she couldn't take care of her birds because she was like getting off meth, and um, the it was really about the birds and the the rescuing of these birds. And my mother has a soft spot 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 in her heart for animals, and she really loves taking caring, nurturing things, especially if they're um, unfortunate and they don't have you know sort of the proper feeding or nutrients and. Right. Mama was right there and was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to rescue these birds, but also um, have a love affair with Heidi Fleiss. And so that sort of derailed my transition into the new home. And during this time was the time I started transitioning. So mind you, I'm on like, you know, tons of estrogen. And when you have like hormones pumping through your vein, you're trying to find yourself. You're like your hormones are raging. You're a 16 year old girl again. And this crazy woman who's on Symboxin, which is like a, a derivative of what heroin or something, 
um, is it comes into your life and throws out all your couture at the second story window saying, you can't even suck dick for $5. Then the cops come on the property and escort you to the to the jail cell with your mother because you're trespassing on your own property. I mean, I really live through hell. It was everything going on all at the same all time. All at the same time. And you started... Hormone therapy was what you started first. first. That was your first step. That was step. my first step. But this was all sort of at the same time. All at the same time. And in order to, like, escape from this dark moment, I mean, I really thought, like, really dark thoughts. When, you, when you're, like, in that moment, you know, you think, like, okay, well, am I going to live? Am I going to, like, not live? It's like a fight-or-flight response as a human. And luckily, my friend had this garage that he converted into a studio. And he was a, a filmmaker, a director of himself. And he sort of welcomed me with open arms and said, come into my studio and you can create and be yourself. And so I lived there during this time period. And that's when I created The Birth of Slather. And that was this film that you really helped nurture mm -hmm. and bring to life. And it was only the, because of that film. And I, I live my life via fantasy. And that's how I, I'm able to look forward to from day to day. Um, and this fantasy film that I created was a story of my life. And it helped me through the darkest of times. And when I say dark, I mean like pitch black, no lights are on, the moon's not shining. And, you know, hell was raining over the Savage Ranch. But from luckily... That that film helped me survive. The creativity kind of got creativity, you through it. artistry helped me survive. Um, Heidi is no longer a part of the property. Let's get let's, let's <laughs> so you were at a time with great adversity, and it yeah. was creativity that helped you through. You had the idea to direct a film, which you sort of called upon all of your known circle of people to do, and you put in this story into the film. And I was very much a part of it. But give people a little sense about what the story of Slather was just from an outside perspective. Right. So as artists, like we go through a deal of struggle and there's times in our life where we don't know what the next step is or, you know, how we're going to create when we don't have the budget we want or the resources we want. And I wanted this story, not only what it was what I was going through, but I knew if I could rise above this dark time that I could live to tell the story and hopefully that would inspire others to do the same. Right. And I think that that's the message of Slather is that when there's nothing left in your pocket and you have nothing left to lose, you pull whatever soul, whatever love, whatever creativity you have left in your soul and you pull it out and you slather it on thick. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the the message that And that film ended up getting into Outfest. Went into Outfest and that was sort of it's not a full-fledged film it's a yet. Short. It's a yeah. short. Um, but that is sort of a smaller um, version of the full feature that's going to come. Right. So it's, well, it was a good starting It's point. a good starting yeah, point. Yeah. And now we, we learned a lot of lessons along the way. Um, but right now we're in the writing phase of telling that, the truth right. and telling the whole story. So that will be a bigger, a bigger project. extrapolation of the yeah. whole thing. Well, that's good because it keeps going and you've sort of conquered some things. And going back to some questions that just popped up for me where, you know, you had that conversation with Scott about gender and at a very young age what time what, where were you when you started playing with gender previous to that i would always say i have photographs of myself when i was three years old putting on my grandmother's lipstick when i was six years old trying on her heels and her stockings i have a feeling that gender was always a thing and my grandmother i lived with her while my mother was in prison and she was a showgirl right in the military balls and she would always welcome me to come play dress up in her closet 
And so for most people, coming out of the closet is a thing. Uh, for me, dancing in the closet with my grandmother was a day-to-day activity. Right. Um, and so luckily I was fostered with that sort of um, love and that unconditional love. Um, but then I, I didn't realize until I was, took a step outside my neighborhood. I lived in suburbia in Carlsbad, um, a small beach town. And I didn't realize until I took a, my first step outside into suburbia into like the white picket fences where the neighborhood boys would flip me off and call me faggot. I didn't realize that me being who I was was such... Um, off-putting. Off-putting right. for other people until right. that moment when I was just going to tap class with... Right. Grandma Betty, mm-hmm. and here these boys were flipping us off, and I'm like, "But why, Mama? You, you why? don't understand. I don't. Yeah. I don't get it." And your grandmother was so supportive that had you been not into that, she would that wouldn't have been anything she exactly. would encourage or anything. It's exactly. just like she saw something in you exactly. and nurtured it and said, "If this is what you want, then that's okay." And that's okay, which is great. That's a yeah. strong person that can come in and have that foresight to somebody at such a young age mm-hmm. and not. So many other people have it where they're just like, you don't do that. You know, they, they yeah. discover the typical movie scene where it's the boys in the closet and the heels. And then it's like, no, you, you know, like that kind of thing. But you you had the complete opposite experience of that. And some people can fear like, oh, well, she was a stage mother. Some people can say like, oh, she forced you into this. But that wasn't the case. Like, I, I remember she played Fred Astaire for me and it was putting on the Ritz. It was like this old classic putting on the Ritz dance with Fred Astaire and I remember seeing that and saying, "Mama, I want to dance. I want to. I want to take tap. I want to. I want to be that person when I'm older." Right. And it wasn't until I made that conviction and told her that that she'd put me in dance class. Right. So. And then what were like the high school years, things like that, prior to New York? What was that like? Oof, high school years, man. Um, I got into some trouble. Um, high school years, so I was in. I was the all. I was the only boy in an all female dance squad, and we were called the Lancer Dancers. And we competed national championships on ESPN every single year. I was in high school, and we won. We like battled against the entire nation, and we won. And I was their secret weapon because I could do all the tricks, all the turns, all the kicks, and lifts. everything, lifts, yeah. and, and everything. And um, so I was sort of the talk of the school. But I think during my senior year, I sort of expressing fashion. I was into David LaChapelle and Amanda Lepore and Heather Red, and I was into, you know, deconstructing things and spray painting them. And I made this collection of clothing, and I asked the football team um, to pose with my girlfriends wearing the clothes. And the po- football team, I had like scant, like basically naked, holding their junk covered in glitter while my girls were wearing their outfits like licking on lollipops and being seductive and you know mind you we're all like 16 and 17 like all underage and I put it on a website and I didn't know things could be a viral sensation back then and so I put it on a website and it became such a scandal that the entire high school you'd walk into science class and you'd see all these images plastered on everyone's desktop because some guy like went in and hacked the system and it was just it was a thing mm-hmm. and they pulled me into the principal's office they tried to expel me they sent letters home to the fathers saying you know like we'll try to press charges and we'll back you up on this and blah 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 but we were all consenting minors so they couldn't do anything but when it came time to having um, our prom 
I showed up at prom and they said because I was five minutes too late that I couldn't go to prom. Oh, so that was so that was that was the backlash. Is right. like principals like you know wouldn't let me go to prom. Like whatever, like a big fuck you <laughs> to the school system. Right. But you know, so I mean, you were not prom queen. It's I was fair not to say. prom queen or prom <laughs> king. Well, okay, so let's jump ahead yep. to your. You've you've started taking hormones. You've gone through hell and back with you know personal matters and yeah. family matters. What well, you did the film and then you're sort of out. Like what was that like at that point? And what what else in your mind? Like how do you identify? What are you medically? What are you going to do? Not do? Like yeah. have you made those decisions? Um. So sort of my gender, my discovery for gender, and my journey. Every trans person has their own journey um, for their transition. So what I'm saying is not going to be the same for another person. Right. But my personal journey, um, you know, estrogen sort of made me feminine, made me grow breasts. And these are all my own. And I can call them my own. I'm, I'm very proud of them. Um, but that also doesn't define my gender. My body parts don't define my gender so much so that I've claimed my sheenness. Right. Um, my love stick from down below that is mine and I call it my sheenus and um, I just made a song my single this is my right. plug right now right. I'm plugging my sheenus um, that's my new single and you can get it on iTunes Spotify my music videos out on YouTube and that is my claim because in the world in society I think a lot of trans people are trying to be passable and that's a way for us to assimilate into society and to be taken seriously is what we call are you passable are you clockable um, and I want to strip this veil of being passable because I'm not trying to cut off my sheenness so that I can be more women and more fishy than someone else more passable right, right. and um, that's sort of me claiming my body part I think as a society in America, we're tired of people assholes in power making decisions and making judgments for our body parts. Women saying that you can't, you have to give birth after you've been raped. Right. You know, making these decisions in higher power. Me, for myself as a trans individual, I don't want to have anyone else making a decision for any of my body but myself. And if having a sheenus makes me feel empowered, then so be it. I'm going to embrace my sheenus and I'm not going to cut it off. And that's what you're comfortable with. That's what I'm comfortable with. And maybe that will change. Who knows? But for the time being, I'm loving all of myself right now. Right. Well, and, and going back to your breasts for a moment, yeah. you know, when you first started, they, when they first showed up on the mm -hmm. scene, I guess we could say, there was a lot of, um, you know, I mean, you were you're pushing it a little bit out there. Like I remember some magazine articles and things and some photo shoots and stuff like that. I mean, like what were you feeling at that moment that wanted you to be so aggressive in that way? I, I like when people sort of have asked questions, you know, I want people to sort of find out the truth for themselves. And I sort of, I, I let controversy run its course and I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm not here um, to be a Disney Channel pat on the back. Oh, it's all love and, and amazingness. You know, life comes with love itself, comes with its ups and downs. And if you don't accept me at my worst and you can't accept me for who I am, um, then I'll take my business elsewhere. Right, right. And that's sort of who I am as a person. And I'm, I'm not going to 
compromise. Uh, nor should you. Nor yeah. should you. And I, I'm, compromise I, <laughs> for who? For what? Right. <laughs> and um, I mean, I guess I'm asking: Are you looking? If you're, I'm thinking about something, I may not have all the details straight, but there's something that was like on the pier or something. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I have to say that being in Hollywood as a trans person, that comes with its own set of questions and, and concerns. And I guess for me, the biggest question, the biggest like turning point in my career, I met this Hollywood producer who produced this huge series. Y'all may know about it, but I'm not going to say because you know the producer. Um, but he said to me, he said, the biggest lesson you will have to face is whether or not you're going to be taken seriously in Hollywood. He said, that's the biggest hurdle that you're going to have to face is that people won't take you seriously. And that was a big moment when I just, I realized that the other world, I take myself seriously, you know, and the other who aren't part of the LGBTQ bubble um, may perceive me as a certain way. And I will have to tell you this, like after, after that dinner I had with him, he takes me seriously now because I've learned to sort of adapt myself in business settings. And that was a question that we both had to face. It was like he had to rise above and say, is, is it because your gender? Is it because you're a woman? Is it because you have tits that I can't take you seriously? That was a question that he yeah. had for or himself. Or is it because it's new? Or because it's new? Is that Are you going to like look past this and see the truth and the, the credibility that I have to offer? And then it was also a question of me is, is am I going to sort of adapt myself to these settings to sort of be taken seriously? Am I going to have to change the way I dress so that it's not an issue, my tits aren't an issue? Right. And my who I am, my uh, identity, my expression is not going to become a thing. Right. Where it's like my work and my art speaks for itself. And that's sort of the fine balance, the dance that we live in society as trans people. Well, and in community, which you touched on just a little bit there, if you're not in the community, you'd think, oh, well, that's just, it's the, the red team, blue team. But it's not. There's as much, if not more, turmoil within the own of community. Of course. And what, I mean, what has been your experience and what are your thoughts on I that? I went to Vegas seeing Gaga in concert and Enigma. And afterward, I went to Piranha, which is a gay nightclub. And in Piranha, they were playing Dance in the Dark. And if you know Lady Gaga's music, Dance in the Dark is about a woman being naked and free and liberated in the dark when no one's looking. And when that came on, you know, I was with my girlfriends and we were like living the moment. I took my top off and I was like living, dancing in the light. And this man next to me who had a mesh thong on with his dick basically exposed, grabbed over, took my dress, put it back on me, grabbed me aggressively. You can't do this here. And just sort of like assaulted me in public on stage. And it was this moment when I realized like, okay, so I'm in a nightclub and it's okay for a gay man to have his dick out, but it's not okay for me to have my tits out. What is this world that we live in where tits are so offensive to people that a fucking nipple, the sight of a nipple makes someone... Attack. Attack. Right. What is this? What is this question that we have to ask people? And it help it happens within our own community, and it's so sad. Um, well, even within the trans community, it happens too. Like you were saying earlier, it's like being passable versus this, or it's like right. you're more so one way than another. Right. And it's an even bigger question. People want to invalidate your experience. They want to say different. you're not a woman now because you're a hussy, or you, or you still or have you're a embraced, penis. or you embrace your body. Right. 
Well, and, and that's what, in the previous episode, it was Jamie who was saying, like, I needed my mind to match my body. Yeah. There was a disconnect. Yeah. I knew about it for a very long time. Right. And until those two things came to be in alignment, it just didn't make sense. And it was sort of tearing at, tearing, tearing, tearing over time. And then finally, it's like, well, this has to be, this cannot be put back in the box. And, you know. And the thing with that is people say you're crazy. People will say, oh, well, they don't know what they're talking about. Oh, they're just crazy. You know, but it, it it's like. Or you'll change your mind. Or you'll, yeah, or you change your mind. And it, it's really, you know, call me crazy. Call me delusional. But I'm living my fantasy. I'm living my truth. Right. And I'm validated in, in that expression. And I'm sorry if you don't, if you think that's crazy, then go be it. Then yeah. like walk along and, and create your own fantasy, create your own journey, but like leave me alone. Right. Like, well, from all of these experiences, do you see any ideas for hope of like sort of alleviating some of that? It's not going to be a light switch that goes overnight, but is there something or things, steps that everyone can take? I think the first place is to like, just be friends with a trans person. Like, yeah. f literally find your nearest trans person and just, like, go hang out with them. And go be with them. Go figure out, like, go make popcorn with them and watch a movie. Right. And, like, just chill. If you're if you're horny for that person, too, because that comes a lot with, like, fetishism of trans people. And I get a lot of guys that just, like, want to fuck me. Like, literally just want to come over and fuck. But then they have nothing to talk about. They literally can't hold a conversation. And me as a woman, I'm 30 years old now. The only thing that gets me off is like when guys are intelligent and when guys have something to say or they talk about art or they talk about something else besides and sex. A well-rounded person. A well-rounded human. A human. Well-rounded human. Well human. human. Yes. A human. And um, I would just say if you're horny for, the, for a trans person, maybe like you know, jack off in your porn, in your privacy of your own home. But when you're going to meet a trans person, take sex off the table. Right. Go to meet that person with no expectations. As you would anyone. As you would anyone. And just like sit with them. Just, just have a conversation. Just like chill for right. a second. Take you, take your hormones off the table. Um, because sending a dick pic like with like the yay big, <laughs> you know, is, is not going to like not, get us off. No. Because I've seen a million in my time. And, right. That's not you know, what the, does it. No. The only sheenness I want to see is mine. So <laughs> There's also the queer man who is 99% gay, but 1% has fucked women in the past. And for whatever reason, it's cool to be queer now. It's cool to be bisexual. So they'll date a trans person. And that's sort of what I've encountered in the, my previous relationships. And my last relationship um, couldn't come to the terms with who he was. His, his mother came, met me at the ranch, and couldn't come to terms with him dating a trans person. And when it came to being Easter, I never got invited to the family. But the day after Easter, he came to collect his belongings and couldn't have a conversation with me to say, hey, look, this is not who I am. I need to move back to New York City. This is, like, not the person I am. He couldn't have the balls to say that. And I think that you really have to be honest with who, you're, who you are first before you come to a trans person. Because you can't come to them looking for guidance or looking for a exploration, one -off a one-off adventure, 
or looking for fame or looking to be in the spotlight and looking to be diverse now. All of a sudden, you're just this diverse person and you're with a trans person. It doesn't work like that. It's like that. a pet in a bag, you know? Oh, no, yeah. I'm <laughs> it's not, not a trend. I'm not a trend. Right. I'm not a zoo animal, you know? What would you say, looking forward, are your biggest challenges? Like, what do you think you're going to be facing next? For me, um, you know, I don't wake up and um, say, oh, you know, I'm going to be a woman today. I wake up today saying, oh, you know, I've got like 10 things on my list to do. I've got a film I've got to create. Um, I've got photo shoot X, Y, and Z, my ranch I have to promote. I'm going to Milkshake Festival in Amsterdam. I'm a fucking busy woman. And my career takes priority over all the men in my life. My career takes priority over my gender right now. I will enjoy the lap of luxury when I am have a million dollars in my bank account and I'm thriving and living my full truth, my with full fantasy. a big fantasy. body of work behind you. With, a, with a, my face on every cover and you know a legacy of inspiration to leave behind. Until that day comes, the discussion of my gender, these this, this bullshit, I can do without. And right now I'm looking to partner up with people who want to build the ranch, I have a ranch in Temecula, and it's this queer sanctuary that's a budding community where people go and thrive and create. I want to build that into the biggest music festival you've ever seen, Coachella for not Trump supporters. This is the place where you can go as a queer person to be yourself and to know that your money and your hard-earned pink dollar is not going to people who are Republicans or support Trump. Right. And... This is owned by my lesbian tractor-driving mother who's a blue-collar worker and struggles to survive and has an animal rescue. I mean, this is going to, like, a charity amongst itself. Right. And there's a lot of queers that have been there. You know, Ali X, um, Ellen Von Unworth, um, Millie Brown. I mean, these artists sort of come and they, they see from all over the world how beautiful this light is. I mean, if, unless you've been there, you can't really understand. It's 360-degree view of nature, mm -hmm. unobstructed by any concrete jungle. You go there, you can take your top off. You can scream at the top of your lungs. You can create whatever fantasy your heart desires. And no one's going to tell you, oh, you have to be out. I'm sorry, you can't do this. You're disturbing the peace. You can't uh, dance uh, here uh, doing can't this. Do, uh, right. uh, 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 uh. No one's telling you that. And that's sort of my passion, is creating this community. An environment. An environment where people can thrive, and music can be played, and people can scream and dance, and, you know, to the wee hours of the morning, to the sunrise, to the moon. I mean, it's fucking magical. And that's sort of part of my heart, where my heart lies. And my other part of me, um, my sort of L.A. Hollywood side, lies with this film, Slather It Up. And I'm looking to partner with people to make this film that doesn't exist in history, where a trans woman is empowered to live her truth on the cinema. Why doesn't it, that exist? Why is it that trans women are always portrayed as hookers? Why is that we are always the victim on the cinema? And that's where this film is going to be birthed to life. And that's sort of my Hollywood existence. Well, that's a true calling. It's you a know, true calling. It, you see, you see the see avenue, and that's avenue. part of the solution. And there's there's the solution right part there. Part of it, at least. So people that want to help, I'm you know I'm creating the Noah's Ark, and we're building a ship.
<laughs> and if you build it, they will come. Get on it. Get right? on the ship. Either get on the ship or get out, honey. <laughs> and that's sort of that's that's why we became friends. Yeah, because you were. Well, you I did. Saw, I helped. Well, and 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 you know, it was we've worked together, and yeah. and uh, we've done a video for it with Violet Chachki. That was an epic undertaking. It Everything was, we touch turns to gold. Yeah, it does. Why well. wouldn't you want to sign up? Well, I know. Yeah, and and it we actually said let's let's make the best. <clears throat> drag video of all time and we did and we did we did no one else has topped this video no Violet Chachki, a lot more me I mean she's her own force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. but partnered with us and what we can do for cinema yeah you know we really elevated drag and drag culture I'm not a drag queen so don't label me as that right but Violet Chachki, she crosses all the boundaries of drag she's not just a drag artist she's an icon she's a living legend yeah and I, I see that her struggle. We all got through we it. All got through we all got it. through it. You know? But and at the end of the day... That all's well that ends well, which it did. There's a lot of struggle for drag performers, for trans people, because there isn't that proper res- representation as someone who is cisgendered or someone who is straight. And I think that that's sort of where the tipping point of the industry needs to take hold, is that people really need to nurture... Um, drag performers and queer people and not just make it about capitalizing on what's diverse or, or strange in, or inclusive exploitive and exploitive and we're we're cool now because we're doing that like right. someone like hustler offered me two hundred dollars to be in their all-inclusive diverse campaign you know for a national campaign you're a multimedia multi-million dollar corporation and all you have to offer me is two hundred dollars right. to show up to Paint my makeup for do free. Do a whole day. Do a whole hair to do it for free. They didn't have hair and makeup. To show up on set, drive from the ranch, which is two hours, mm-hmm. to be there present so my image can be exploited for mass media campaign. And all you have to offer me is $200. Yeah. I'm sorry, darling. Not going to happen. That's not going to happen today, nor not ever. Right. And let's... Like when we were working together too, there was this moment it was, I wanted to get into the subject because that sparked something with me about the pronouns and stuff yeah, too. The because pronouns. for other people um, and just people that aren't as familiar, and I also was like sort of like in a washing machine, sort of a bit just like with all the stuff. But there was a moment where I, you know, we definitely talked about that in going in, but I think it, like anything, everybody has a bunch of different views on it. And as the rest of the world catches up, trying to catch up, I think even being willing to catch up, because I'm a willing person. But then yeah. it was like there was this moment, if you remember, I in totally the hotel remember. lobby. Totally and I was talking about Travis, who was the DP, who's a guy. And I said, da 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 something he. And you like lost I it. Lost you it. lost your yeah. shit in this hotel lobby. And I was like, what? I didn't even know what was happening. I was like, oh, my God. I don't even. And then I figured it out. And I was like, I'm talking about. Tracks. Yeah. So, yeah. what is it about that particular I thing think, that is such a triggered moment? I think gender for a lot of trans people is a touchy subject, right. and it's a very sensitive topic. But what insight and for, on that do you have? For for most of the time, I have to say I'm very accepting of situations. But when it comes to my work and my profession, when gender is thrown into that, it's a it's something I'm not ready for, and I have to say it's. It's something that we're all learning. It's a journey. We're all in transition together, right? So I'm not only in transition, but you're in transition because you're learning about my transition. Yeah, yeah. So I have to I have to make acceptance and I have to sort of be compassionate to those around me as well. Yeah. And 
you did the right thing. I feel like afterward, you know, you sort of came with me with this apology and this this shower of acceptance and you gave me these pins that said she, her pronouns and you really like, you tried. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of men in America don't try at all and their ego gets in the way of them just being a good human and saying, mm-hmm. you know what, I fucked up. That's definitely where I was coming from. I'm, yeah. I ask a lot of people for second grace in my life. I've fucked up a million times. And I'm the first one to say, like, I'm a fuck up. I make mistakes. I did this wrong. I'm sorry. I apologize. We're all human. And I think that that's where the ego gets the best of people. Not you, right. because you did the right thing, but just men in general women in general do this too. And it's like the ego is like, oh no, I'm right. I'm on my soapbox. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Or they just don't want to deal with it and just they shut it deal down with it and, and walk shut away. it down, walk away. Mm-hmm. And it, we're human. So we, there's a gray area. And like, I have to make a compromise. I know I said no compromise earlier, but <laughs> yeah. no compromise to my gender because right. this is who I am. Yeah. But in social situations, there's all com- a compromise. It's all a compromise. It it's a dance. Mm-hmm. I have to meet you in the middle and I don't have to meet you in the middle with my gender, but I have to meet you in the middle with everything else. Yeah. With life. Right. And I think that that's sort of a learning lesson that we all have to learn. Well, to learn. and it is because even the topic of pronouns was something not that long ago I wouldn't have even realized that we'd be having. I don't mean you and I. I mean anyone. You know, it yeah. was like, but then even Lyft now, we were just saying, has now put in, you tell us what you want to be addressed as, which is a huge step. You know, Tinder does that soon because like (laughs) the assholes that I get on Tinder, let me tell you, it's the worst than grinder. It must be just like a fire blast of crazy. Dysphoria. (laughs) I feel like dysphoria. Why do I have to explain about my sheenus? Why do I have to talk about these things? Like you don't talk about that on the first date with a woman. You don't say, how's your vagina doing today? Yeah, wh- that is something. Why would people think that's... How is your pussy doing? You don't say that on a first date with a woman. And if you did, it probably wouldn't go very far. You probably wouldn't be asked out on the second date. Right. Just saying, guys. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Right. Um, and I have no answer for that. Yeah. It seems... I think, like, take sex off the table. Just as you, if you're a straight man... Take sex off the table if it happens naturally in conversation on one-on-one. And in time. And in time, in due time, when you earn trust with that person, sure. Because that's the best type anyway when you have that very close, tight-knit relationship that it evolves. Don't expect that person to be a sex doll for you. Yeah, that's not... Yeah, exactly. Anybody, (laughs) regardless. You know? Even if you're sex-empowered, I'm empowered to own my body and to love myself. But that doesn't give you the right to treat me like a sex doll. Right. And um, for somebody, if you were speaking... I mean, we were... We were also addressing this in the first episode about how the younger generation is really, they're already kind of there. It's not so big a deal. They're kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, they- There's shows like Pose. There's shows like Euphoria. There's shows out there that are giving you positive trans messages. Watch them. Learn. Educate yourself. Go to Google. Type in trans woman. See what comes up. But there's even kids now in school, even at a grade school level, that are just identifying a certain way with supportive parents that then put them out there. If you don't know, do your research. You know, Google is a tool. There's no excuse for you now to just be belligerent and not understand. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's well, no excuse. And I think it's it has to it's stories like this and yours and again we appreciate you being here to share that because yeah. as I push, I appreciate this platform. Yeah, and it's just something so that hopefully it starts that conversation. It's exactly It all starts that. somewhere. Yeah, it has to. Um and as I said too, it's like for as many trans people, that's how many stories there are because they're every single one of them completely different, just like humans. Anybody, and I'm not saying they're different. Everyone is a human. Be clear on that. But I'm saying, regardless of who you are, it's that way for everyone. Some people want to identify as an alien. Some people want to identify as a mermaid. They, yeah. That's a valid experience, yeah. and yeah. you have to respect that. Yeah. No, I would and agree. Just, it just ends like that. Well, and the other thing, too, we talked about the impact. It doesn't impact anyone else. It's no. it's you. Why does that affect you? It if doesn't. someone wants to be a mermaid, let them fucking be a mermaid. Yeah. Let them wear a tail and go underwater and feel their siren fantasy. What does that have to do with your you and your experience? Yeah. And then... Um, what about, tell us about the song Sheenus. Like, what was the inspiration? Yes. Where did it come from? We're going to hear a bit of it in in a minute. And so, on. a lot of what I do with music is a it's a political response to what's going on. I've got fed up with men making decisions about my body parts, and as a woman with men making in political power making decisions about women and their abortions abortion rights. You know, I feel like I had a I had a queer individual who was my friend who told me that I'll never be a woman because I can't give birth. And unfortunately, I Medically, still, that may not always be the case. What do you mean? I'm just saying medical, as it progresses, that may not be the case. There is women out there that can't even give birth. There's women because of whatever situation they can't give birth. If we define gender based on our uterus, if we define gender based on our body parts, then we are very close-minded as individual. We have to broaden our horizons to look at the less binary situation. I, I spoke to an astrologist, and you know they told me that we are living in a square society. People want the binary. They want the black and white they want the uh, A, B, C, A, B, and C, D, and E. And unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. There is a, a, a beautiful rainbow of fluidity that flows in between those square points. And that's just how life is. And if you're not open to that, then you're as prehistoric as the fucking dinosaur. Uh, we talked <laughs> exactly right. Because, you know, what? that's a bleak future to just have to just call it. On it, everything. If you understand sort of the wavelengths of sound, if you understand science and anything about the the universe, that you know that wavelengths aren't binary. They don't come in one and two and dits and it's zeros. It's vibrating energy. It's vibrating energy. And we as humans vibrate energy. And so if you don't just like let that go, then you're going to be left behind. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, 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 without a doubt, without as it doubt. should be, because we all have to continue to move forward. The way it is. And yeah. so when I heard my friend tell me that, I know his bigger, his higher power doesn't believe that. But when he told me that, it was sort of a deciding factor. Do I want to be friends with this person? Is this person jealous of me? Does this person want to see me succeed? And as a trans person, you really have to like nurture the people around you and be sort of add that extra padding. Your success comes from your surroundings, who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And so I said, I had to like 
cut ties with that person. Yeah. If there's a toxicity level, it's only affecting you. Uh, I still ultimately. love that person. Yeah. I still wish him the best, but I have to love him through that and hope that he finds himself. Right. Because I can't educate him into what is... I can't help him make trans people want to succeed. I can't help... I can't teach them that. Right. That's not my duty. And it's an individual experience for everybody regardless. Regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess my final question for you is... Top up on this Chardonnay. For, yeah. <laughs> One last Chardonnay. And then I have another radio show to go to. Fantastic. Um... What advice would you give to anyone of any age who's questioning this? Is this right for them? Do these dots connect? What What would you relay? Before you go to society, before you go outward, go inward first. Go inward as deep as you can. Find yourself to the depths of your soul. And when I talk about the ocean deep, find the most fluorescent jellyfish in your fucking ocean and know who that person is so that no one can take that away from you when you rise to the surface you will rise and you will rise and no one will take that light from you and that's the advice i have to give the children because money and fame will come and go Boys' relationships will come and go but if you know who you are at the depths of your soul no one can take that away from you. Love, Bailey. Thank you so much for Sign being our up. second episode of Trans Story. Showtime. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Kyle. Slathered up. And now we can check out Sheenus. Yeah, watch my Sheenus on YouTube. Oh, my nip's out again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Trans Story. Be sure to check back for our future episodes. They'll be posted weekly. If you'd like to send us an email, just send us an email at podcast at subtractive.net. Trans Story was recorded at Subtractive Inc. in Santa Monica, California, copyright 2019.